Welcome to H2O Radio, where we follow water wherever it leads. We bring you stories about everything and anything to do with water. On today's show, Snow Job, following the men and women who measure snowpack. And here's your host, Jamie Sudler. It's going to be a long day for Butch Horner and Mike Artist. The sampling kits are loaded, the snowmobiles are on the trailer, and they're headed up to the mountains above Boulder, Colorado to do the first of two snowpack surveys for the Natural Resources Conservation Service. By the time the day is over, they'll have traveled hundreds of miles, some by truck, some by snowmobile, and the rest on snowshoes or skis, all to get vital data about snow, how much there is, and more importantly, how much moisture it contains. That water content will be a crucial piece of information for many, from farmers and cities to whitewater rafters and fly fishers. Snowpack data will help them predict just how much water to expect in rivers, lakes, and streams. Franny and I catch up with Butch and Mike as their rig pulls off west of the peak-to-peak highway. So we're up here at Brainerd Lake. So where where do we go from where do you uh, go from here? We'll just be going down the hill a little ways, and it'll be off to the right. Yeah. We park our car a bit down the road and strap on our snowshoes. We follow Butch and Mike through a pine forest, bending back tree limbs as we go. There's no trail per se, but these two know exactly where they're going. sign at the other far end. That, that's the starting point. On that tree. And then this one right here is our end point. So in between these two points we'll take five samples. They're all at predetermined spots and we do those in the same spots from year to year. So, Butch unpacks the sampling equipment. The three-foot sections of tubing he'll connect and drive deep into the snow to gauge its depth. These uh, sampling sets run about $5,000. The idea of correlating mountain snow to the amount of runoff when snow melts is credited to Dr. James E. Church, a professor at the University of Nevada. In 1906, Dr. Church developed the first snow sampling set, a hollow 10-foot tube made out of steel. After a number of years of comparing winter snow depths in the mountains above Lake Tahoe, he was able to predict water levels in the lake the following summer. All right. Well. Might as well head on down to the start of the course. We follow Mike and Butch, careful not to step in the sampling area. Butch begins the survey by plunging the tube deep into the snow. He calls out his readings to Mike, who records them in his ledger. 44, 44. Frozen. Okay. Core length is 49 and a half. After you've got the the snow sample, you you weigh it. Yep. First we'll first we'll tear our tubes so we know what our base tube weight is. Then we'll go for depth, which kind of uh, uh, when you bring, pull the tubes up after measuring the depth, you'll have what's called the uh, core length, and then we weigh it. And then from there, we'll subtract that from the tear, and then from that, divided by the depth, will give us a density. 
This exchange will repeat four more times as we progress down this relatively short snow course. Most courses have between 10 and 14 sample points, but some can get into the hundreds. The two of them are completely in sync and seem to really enjoy their jobs. Franny asks Butch how long he's been doing this survey work. I've done a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh -huh. Is this your favorite job? I, I like this job, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is a great job. This is very cool. I mean, well, it's kind of part scientist, part contractor, part lumberjack. <laughs> I mean, there's a, a multitude of things that play into it. Yeah. Because yeah. you never know what you're going to run into when you get to a site. I mean, the bears, they chew up our snow pillows, and so then you have to replace snow pillows. And oh, okay. What's a snow pillow? That's what we use that's to measure the weight of the hibernate. snow. <laughs> that's what we use to measure the weight of the snow out, out on our on our automated sites so and what happens they're they're like they look kind of like a waterbed they're 10 foot across and oh. they're round and the snow lands on them mm -hmm. and when the snow lands on them we there's a little tube going out the bottom and going up into our shelter it's called a manometer and so it, when the snow lands out here it pushes this fluid up in inside of the building and then we measure that height of that fluid and we know how much the snow weighs and we also have a snow depth sensor. It shoots a radio wave down, hits whatever's down there, and bounces back up. So we know what it is in the summer when there's no snow there. So when the snow starts building up, it just starts building up, and we can know how much snow, how deep the snow is at the site. So that's how those automated sites work. As we come to the last measurement, Mike shows us his ledger that is now full with numbers reflecting today's take. Depth of snow, water content, density, and one really important area for remarks. That's the difference between the automated sites that Butch was describing and the manual sites. Manual snow surveys allow for human observation that will be particularly useful now in Colorado given the severe flooding last September. Uh, dirt plugs, if we know if they're frozen or if they're still saturated or if they're dry, really helps us as far as forecasting because then we know when it does come time for melt-off, if a lot of it's going to go directly into the ground or if you know, it's going to run off over the ground. So we take all that data and we put it into um, a streamflow forecast. That's Maggie Hulstrand, Assistant Snow Survey Supervisor for the NRCS. We met with her in her Denver Federal Center office and asked about how the snow survey data will be used. Every month, the forecasters, um, they're located in Portland, Oregon, take all the data that we provide and come up with um, an estimate of what they think total volume is going to be past a single point. Um, usually it's a USGS gauge that, and you know how much volume of water is going to flow past that point. So right now, uh, the information that you're collecting is like extremely critical. Yeah, exactly. The, um, um, it's going to be pretty important, especially for the, all the tributaries along the South Platte that were really hit with floods this year because um, they're not really sure how those rivers are going to react. Um, it's important because, you know, there's a lot of um, places where the you know, river is now flowing. It didn't used to flow, and a lot of homes that are, um, could be endangered if we do have flooding conditions. They have a pretty large snowpack right now. Um, it's really going to depend on those temperatures, you know, how quickly that runs off. With so much at stake for the safety and future of towns in the South Platte Basin, you would imagine there to be several NRCS teams gathering data. But you would be wrong. NRCS has a full-time staff of three, the result of federal budget cuts. It's a lot to ask of three people whose territory stretches from Arizona to New Mexico to Colorado and southern Wyoming. 
It means long days away from home and treks into remote locations. And it's not just in the winter. The busy season is in the summer when they go to check on the nearly 200 automated sites to repair them or check their logs. Luckily, NRCS gets help from a large array of cooperators, partners such as the Colorado Division of Water Resources, Denver Water, and reservoir operators who all collect data and give it to NRCS. And there's one other thing to add to the list of things in which NRCS plays a role, understanding climate change. Snow surveys date back to the 1930s when the Dust Bowl got the West's attention about the need to protect soils in a region with a limited water supply. The snow survey program too is you know, the only program that has been doing snowpack monitoring for this long and this consistently. Um, so you know, that, that long-term record is huge for um, you know, climate studies and the Colorado Climate Center actually is another one of our stakeholders who really uses our data you know, probably daily. Whether you want to know the short-term forecast, like how the conditions are at your favorite backcountry ski area, or whether or not to plant a garden, or you're more concerned about our changing climate, think of Mike and Butch. They're out there no matter the season, no matter what the weather, chasing the data that will affect your daily life. For more information about NRCS and Snow Survey Program, visit nrcs.usda.gov. We'll put that link and pictures from our snow survey trip on our website at h2oradio.org. You're listening to H2O Radio.